Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. This week, we're talking to Kim DeYoung, who's an expert on choices and has written a book about it, and she's a mom of and an open nester, and she has so much advice for the stage of life that we date, that we find new careers, that we become courageous, that you will love this. Let's hear it from Kim DeYoung. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Kim DeYoung. How are you today? I am good. So good to be with you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this as well, because I think your book of choice, the book of choice and your work in this realm and then being in this stage of an open nester and knowing how your vitality makes these choices is really interesting. So give us a little bio of like, you know, who you are, married kids, kind of just your general personal and and a little bit about your professional so we could start having a discussion about this topic. Yeah. Um, I am a newly married for the second time to a wonderful man. I was divorced about 12 years ago, and I have three children all in their early 20s. Two of them are out launched and one is still in college. And it's a beautiful thing. And I know we'll get more into this, but from this conversation of choice, which I've been focused on now for a decade, the book just launched, but the, the work that I've been doing around choice began when my kids were in their early teens and to have brought this new vocabulary and language that I was creating to them to bring a consciousness to how they think about choices, you know, which was always a part of our conversation in the early days. And now it's so fascinating as they're in that kind of emerging adult stage and they're really kind of for the first time, really making their choices on their own and navigating what that means and all of that. And it's, it's pretty beautiful at this time. So, so sweet. And and uh, so, so even on a personal level, I know a lot of women are our listeners, and many of them are single. I mean, how did you come into after this divorce, having the right, finding the right time for you to look into finding a partner, and and how did that occur? And yeah, how do you attract that? I, well, it, very intentionally, truthfully, um, I. I love I loved dating after I was divorced. I really do. I love I love men. I loved meeting them. I love you know I could spend two hours with anybody, whether there was chemistry or not was a different question. But I really enjoyed the process and was also very comfortable with you know enjoying the dating and letting it go and kind of the ebb and flow. But at a point, I'm a big believer in manifestation, and I got really clear on who I wanted to be with and how I wanted to feel and the qualities that I wanted him to have. And I got it. I just got it. And, you know, he'll often say to me, how how did we find each other? Or And we did find each other on match. Um, but, you know, or why didn't we meet sooner? I said, we weren't ready sooner. Like, we had to do the work. There was so much work for each of us to do, to grow, to become who we now are, to find our way into what we have. And yes, do I wish we'd had more years together? Of course. But, you know, what we've found and what we've cultivated and created is so beautiful right now. I'm so happy for you. And 
You know, I recently heard Esther Perel talking about people looking for a, a, a mate. Who She's the expert on mating and relationships yeah. in general. And I do feel like she says that we don't have to make a list. It's more about not it's more about the feeling you want to have. And I love that you said that because sometimes these lists can really trip us up. So the values, the qualities, the feel, the things you want to feel in your partnership is what we become mature to in all levels of partnerships, relationships, friendships. And I think that's the intention that you're really talking about that, that I know you, you discuss that because it's really in, in, in your teaching about our choices for our lives. And those are such relationships are really some of the foundational building blocks of our lives. And so I, you know, I, I know you talk about choice mapping. We'll get into for your book, but you know, just finding our authentic voice. So, how do you feel like your kids are doing with that right now? With finding their authentic voice, rather than based on some of the things that maybe we trip up making mistakes, and not to be too hard on ourselves, they trip up making mistakes, not to be that hard on themselves. How do you feel like that's evolving? I love this question, and I love this conversation because I. I'm so fascinated with it, with my kids. So in particular, my my middle son, who is 24, is um, happens to just be very soulful and very introspective. And about two years ago, as he was graduating from college, I really developed a beautiful friendship with he and his college um, friends. And they were just also just very thoughtful young men. And I brought them into this world of choice with me. And I began having these deep conversations with them I remember very specifically one in particular, they were all about to graduate and I said, and they were all about to graduate and move on to something interesting. And I said, I want to understand each of you. Like, how did you get to this place? And I kind of dug and dug with very interesting questions. And what happened with all four of them was there was a moment in their college, you know, uh, continuum in which they said yes to something. And it was something that was out of the blue, but something that called them. And from that, yes, they moved forth. And what was so interesting in this particular day of this conversation was my youngest son was there and he was a senior in high school at the time and really had no clue about what he was doing. And I remembered saying to him, I said, you know, I hope if there's one thing you take from the experience of these older boys is that they didn't know but that they said yes to something. So your job in going into college will be to find out what turns you on and what you want to say yes to. And now with these young men who are now 24, we've continued this relationship and we meet every two or three months to kind of have a deep dive conversation into the choices they're navigating. They just came here a few weeks ago, having read the first half of my book, and the book became a catalyst for really interesting conversations. And wow. in particular, you know, it's beautiful that you're so relationship focused. We ended up getting into this gorgeous conversation about relationship choices that they made. One had made a choice to end a relationship. Two had made choices to start. And the fourth had really made the choice to heal because he had been broken up broken up with. So he was dealing with the reactivity of something happening to him, but he chose to hold his ground and to have this conversation with these young men about what they were going through and then be able to say, what were the qualities that you saw yourself exhibiting, having made those choices that you want to carry forth now? 
And it was interesting. I remember my son, there was something he was sharing in his choice where he felt he had exhibited courage. And just the other day, we were speaking about something he needed to do professionally. And I could see him feeling a bit ambivalent. And I reminded him, I said, do you remember you have that courage, like it is within you. So while I know this thing that you have to do is not a fun thing that you want to do, he's also, he knows he's going to, but I said, summon the courage that you know you have. So that's just one example that was so beautiful. What a profound and direct example, because I honestly believe, you know, we get into our 60s and I feel like wiser in my ability to hold everything, expand my capacity for what I called, actually, when I turned 60, I did an episode called uh, Courage, Curiosity, and Compassion. Mm, the things that we need to hold for ourselves. But yeah. if we can teach this to the younger generation as we being the people that that they can relate to because we've built relationships with them, then how magnificent. This is just a magnificent example. So thank you. That was a great way to yeah. share it. Um, so So... How do you work with people our age that are sometimes tripping up and and you know if you want to just address this choice mapping or any of the any of the ways that we you know inquire and explore why we made certain choices and I know that's why for me curiosity is always so important and staying staying truthful and centered to that to what what it is we really need to find in our voice. So how do you help people start to navigate that, Kim? Oh, I, you know, I, I would say curiosity is is my strongest gift. Curiosity, compassion, connection. But I'm so naturally curious about people, both what they have done and what they want to do. What I'm finding is happening a lot with people who are in their 50s and 60s. And I love, I love that person as much as I love the emerging adult. I mean, truthfully, I, I, I love anybody navigating a choice. But when I think specifically in kind of where we are, many people are looking for that form of reinvention. It is like, what is that act three? What is that next thing they're choosing to step into? What are they potentially walking away from? You know, they've they've had a part of their life. They've had a career or something. And is that how they want to live out the balance? Like people are not retiring as early and they want something that has purpose and meaning. And what does that look like? And that's a huge part of the work that I do. And I love it. It's very fulfilling to be able to approach it from the perspective of choice of like, what are you choosing to step into at this moment while being able to look back at, you know, what, what is there to garner from past choices that you want to make sure you bring forth into your future self and what you're doing. So can you give us an example? I know that's in the book that then people can you know refer to afterwards as well, but some of the choice mapping, some of the first things that you actually help them start to question. What are the, some of the big first questions? Yeah. I mean, when, when I am working with anybody and, you know, I'll just take a step back to explain choice mapping at its highest level. Choice mapping is a tool that I certainly teach in the book of choice. I use it with everybody, but it is really a question and answer tool that you can use with yourself. It is an opportunity to go deeper with yourself of the why of a choice. And the first question for any choice, no matter who you are, where you are, is why does the choice matter? Because until you've answered that, why bother moving forward? So that that's number one. And the deeper you go, the more ammunition you have for yourself to hold yourself accountable to that choice. 
Then the two other key choices that I have people ask, and one is really what tethers you to the past. The other is what pulls you into the future is what fears could hold you back from that choice that you want, you know? So to ground into the fears, the limiting beliefs, the voices, the noise, what could get in your way about getting that thing that you want versus what's exciting on the other side? Like what is possible for you if you make that choice. And so there really is this tug of war of being pulled like from the past into the future. And if what is possible matters more than the weight and tethering of what scares you, then you're going to move forward. And then it's really a question of what are the actions you're going to take. So in some way, it's a, it's a simple process. It's a repeatable process. The power comes, um, one of the reasons I love mapping as a visual tool is it's a way, let's imagine you've made a choice in particular for whatever it is, and six months down the road, it's not going the way you want. This is an opportunity to go back to that map and look at what you captured. Like you said, certain things matter. Do those things still matter today? You said certain things were possible. Is that true? If, if the map still aligns for you, then find a way to kind of reclaim yourself and move forward. If it doesn't, if things have shifted, then shift, course correct. But it becomes a beautiful benchmark from which to move forward. So it's a very, very special process. And I, you know, I teach the do-it-yourself version in the book and then people who work with me privately, you know, that's, it's the tool that I use to support them. I love that. I think I think that um, failing our way to success. I mean, I, I I want. I used to always think that the that the word balance could be overused. I mean, we all want to be balanced and be centered. It's not that we don't want to. We eventually need to get there, but if we don't actually have those choices that we try and fall, yeah, sometimes feel like wow, this is it. I'm flying and still can fall. It you know it's it. I think a lot of it has to do with risk. I mean, you know, you talk about curiosity, but I would love you to talk a little bit about risk when people are fearful, and then some of the yeah. tools and actions that maybe you help guide them with. Well, I think risk risk equals stepping into the uncertainty. None of us know. You know, we we make a choice. There's something that matters. We want it. We take step forward. We don't know what's happening. So, in some regard, who you are as a human and the foundation upon which you're built. That makes it a little easier. I mean, I remember back in the day, early 20s, I was stepping into something and I was making a choice that my father didn't agree with. And he was nervous. I had done something stable and I was moving on to a startup. And he's like, what's going to happen if it doesn't work? I was like, I've still got the foundation of Kim. Like, I didn't fall apart just because this thing didn't work. And that was really enabled me to make a lot of risky choices because I really believed in the foundation of who I was. So if you are somebody who may not believe in the foundation of who you are, you've got some wobbly components, what does it take to strengthen that? What, what does that look like for you? Whether that's education, whether that's mindset work, whatever that may be, good therapy, you know, to sort of get your grounding stronger. And I think, you know, when it comes to you speak about the failing. I mean, it's so interesting having young kids and my kids know this, like I am not making their choices for them. You know, they're coming to me, what should I do? I'm, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about the pros, the cons, all of it. But clearly it is for them to make and for them to see the ramifications 
And for them to have that information as they make the next choice, like that is what it is. And it's never, and I told you, so you shouldn't have done it. It's a make the best choice you can in the moment with who you are. You learn from it and you course correct if necessary, you know, and if you're built on a solid foundation, you can probably weather a lot. I I love also that you have boys that, you know, because they, they're looking at that sensitivity of their, of their, emotional component as well and and seeing how fulfilled they are instead of doing anything that 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 you know society programs them to do yeah and i, I was just going to say i i also have a daughter and i'm aware as i i don't want to use the word coach her but of course i think mothering equals coaching sometimes is that reality of and this is specifically in the parental role of we can't want for our kids more than they want for themselves. And the choices are theirs to make. And while we may see a path that would be a good path, it's for them to figure it out. Like we can present the way and open up the conversation, but it is for them to figure out their path. I mean, that is just such a big truth. It is. And it's hard to watch if they are floundering. And I think a lot of, I used to have the, there used to be this expression and some of my friends used to use about, I can't be happier than my least happy kid. Uh, And I so don't buy into that because I mean, my daughter went through trauma for a few years from uh, something in her life and I could only support what I could support, but I I couldn't not live. My living showed her that I can model we come through things. We still live fully. And right now going through the grief that I have with my father and and when people go through at our stage, this life, this stage of life that, that can hold trauma, that can hold loss, that can, that can hold all the things that are part of grief, which, you know, comes from insecurity and fear and 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 sometimes you know a lot of a lot of fear and 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 perhaps even shame or or things that and and certainly sadness, but and yet how do we hold all those emotions is a big part of how we also show up in our foundational ch- in our foundation to then make a choice of behavior. And I think that's a big part. So I want to ask you about some behaviors and actions like besides even, for example, going to a great therapist because there's all kinds of therapy, but a great therapist really does help getting the mindset. I mean, do you do any tools around, you know, mindfulness or embodiment? Like how do they, how did some of the, the actions or any of the actions that you remember have been successful with clients that you've seen have have helped in some of your work with them? You know, I I am at a personal level a big believer in pretty much many most modalities. You know, I I open myself to most things to for growth and and where I'm going. I don't necessarily um, push it on my clients, but I open them up to whatever I think may be appropriate for them. And and that's clients and that's kids. Um, I am a big believer when it comes to making a choice in taking small actions. I think there is something unbelievably powerful about the momentum that happens from the action. And then the beautiful unfolding, which is the the synchronicities and the nuances and the coincidences and noticing both. It's the feeling of we walk with two feet as we make a choice. We take the masculine action of whatever that thing is that we're choosing to do. 
And then we also notice, like, what just came into my life? Did I get a random phone call? Did an email show up? Did I see something? Was I drawn to something? Did I choose to read a book? Whatever it is. And what are those additional paths? And how do we navigate that? And I think that there's incredible richness to the walking with both feet and the awareness that comes with the left and the right. Oh, I love that. And those are the small steps, like, Small steps. And if we can navigate just having people just do one little new thing if their kids are, are gone and they have no idea what to do with themselves. So what's what's one like small step as an op- as a new open nester that you would say for someone to help them? I mean, well, take dating. Take dating as an example. Okay. Take someone who is single, who is scared, who is nervous to step online, for example. A first step would be writing a profile getting photographs. I mean, those are, that is a small step, putting up a profile, reaching out to someone, saying yes to someone, going on a first date. These are all steps. None of it is marriage, but they're all little things to do and and to notice and to not put any huge gravitas on any of them. You know, each date is a date. It's one date. Are you going, you know, and it's a choice. You've got on one. Are you going on the second? You don't go from going on one date to getting married. You go from one day to, do I want the second day? Do I want the third date? It's a constant crossroads. So starting there, if someone were unsettled in their business, for example, and kind of wanting something new, maybe they're not in a position to let go of the old. They need the money. They're not fully ready. How can they kind of think about a side hustle for the moment, explore something, have some conversations, invite someone to lunch that does something that interests you and have that conversation and take in the feedback of what they share and follow up on that and see where that goes. I mean, these are all just examples of take things in, see how it feels, and then continue moving on the path. I mean, I do love the career thing because it it so relates to our kids will go through so many career changes and we and our being open to be able to be fluid is so we can learn from them. I mean, I feel like I've learned from my kids in terms of watching this generation and fluidity of all kinds, yeah. um, you know, without being rigid. And yet I think that could trip them up sometimes when they have so many options and and now they can work remotely. I mean, narrowing things down seems to me to be a really I mean, and and you've always been good with that kind of structure. So I do wonder how, like, like with somebody, if if you if you with the, your other kids, maybe trying to find a road that they weren't as introspective as the other, you know, how how you can guide, how we can guide as a parent, our kids into looking at their choices and knowing what feels good to them and getting into their gut and and be able to take to even know what first step to take, you know, because yeah. or what they want. Like what you said, well, what matters, what matters? How do you, how do you get them to know what matters? I guess. A lot of it is inquiry is, you know, um, I, I, I do love my kids are all open and amenable to mapping with me. And what that means in our daily life is, you know, one of my kids may call me and say, you know, I'm just stuck. I don't know what to do. And I'll say, do you want to spend 15 minutes and let's just map it? And what that really means is I'm just going to ask them a lot of questions. You know, I'll I'll say, you know, what is it you think you want if they don't know what they want? And then from there, it's like, I I almost feel like. What don't you want? What don't you want? We do much. What don't you want? want. (laughs) 
<laughs> a lot of it is, um, it's just being, it goes back to the curiosity. It's just asking the questions. I mean, I'm not, when I engage with my children, I rarely assume I know what is best. I go in from the perspective of let's, let's have conversation. I'm going to ask you questions and I'm just going to listen for your answers to what might the next intuitive question be that I ask you with the thought that we're going to uncover something and come up with something. And I get a lot of, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Okay. So, you know, and 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 it can be challenging in the parent-child dynamic because, you know, we feel attachment to that they know. <laughs> and, you know, we want that. But if, if as a parent, you can remove yourself and take a step back and let go of the attachment of needing to get somewhere. And of course, this, you know, this affects the dynamic that you have with your child. I mean, it may not be so easy to do, but this ability to be curious with somebody, especially if they feel safe in that experience is so powerful, unbelievably powerful. I so agree. And and you say attachment, but I also think, you know, a lot of parents have had agendas or they were, well, yes. they, they knew that their parents had an agenda for them and they've had to de deconstruct that agenda. So, so us learning to do it is a new experience for us as a parent to be able to not have an agenda in mind for our kids and to step back. One of the um, discussions on a relationship I had with a mom and daughter and, 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 and the daughter actually taught the mom a lot for the mom to say, you know, what, mom, I don't always want your opinion. Sometimes I want to just vent. So one of the things to ask always is when someone, when your child comes to you as a young adult is, is do, would you like just a hearing? You know, do you just want me to listen or would you like me to make suggestions or ask questions? Because it gives them the power back because we spend so much time doing that stuff, right? I mean, that it's just so respectful. I mean, it, it's similar in a relationship if you're with your partner to say, is now a good time to talk? I mean, it's got that same flavor of like, before I jump in and rant at you about the 4 million things on my mind, are you ready to receive what I have to hear? Similar to say to your child, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you. What do you need from me? Do you want me to just listen or do, are you looking for advice? I think what you've said is so perfect. And to have that thoughtful, I think it's, it's, it's about being in a respectful relationship and to do that with our kids, with our partners, with our friends, with our clients, all of it. And, and to believe what you said before in your intuition. And, and I think, you know, some of us have maybe have been tripped up with, with that we don't trust our gut and our intuition. And so that could take practice with friends. Yeah. You know, it takes practice with maybe even someone new that you that you meet in the world that you can witness in a new way by not getting your own your own um, preconceived notions into that discussion by learning how to listen. That's a certain kind of training as well, a witnessing training, and 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 so I think that that would have, that helps us with our kids as we get older, which is because it's still the hardest with our kids and our partners. It's still the hardest there. Because there's so much like, oh, like you want the best for them and you or you or you're mad, the most mad at them because they've triggered you in ways that nobody else could trigger you. So there's not it's not like easy shit. <laughs> you know, you're bringing to mind an experience that happened for me. My youngest was going into ninth grade and he was zoned for, you know, the good high school in our town. And I had the sense he might be better off at a smaller magnet school. And I proposed the idea to him and I really was so clear, like he had never made a meaningful choice for himself. But I said, I want you to apply to this magnet school 
And I said, I am not attached to which school you go to, the big school or the magnet, but I am attached to the fact that you give your all in this interviewing experience so that they make you an offer because I want you to have the choice. I want them to have said, we want you. So now you can reflect on, do you want them? And I recall so vividly, one of the things I said to him as he was making that choice, I said, I want you to drop down into your gut. Like this is a 14 year old boy. He had no idea what I was saying to him. And I said, I know this is new language. I know you don't know how to tap into your issue intuition, but I probably did my best to then rephrase it. Like, what do you feel is the best decision for you? And he ultimately chose the school he was originally zoned for, the big school. And I said to him, it's kind of amazing. Like at 14, you just made a life-defining choice. You chose the big school over that. Now, if you get into 10th grade and you want to make a new choice, you can. I said, but the rest of your friends who are going into ninth grade just kind of followed the pack. They went where they were told to go. But you chose to be there. Like, I want you to understand that. And it was his first choice of making a choice with, I feel this is best for me. And I hoped as a mother, I was giving him a baseline from which to build, you know, it, time, time will, time will tell. <laughs> no, it is. And, and, and what are our choices? They're still, they're always, they can always hit a wall and things can, you know, and, and things can set us off and set us. And, 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 and the question is that foundation, how do we come back to that? Someone believes in me and I can trust myself and have like, we were, we were talking about earlier, this curiosity and compassion and, and, and courage and, and connection, all of the ways to, to know that what's important is is holding this and also being creative. I when I did my masters, my my training for my um not just my masters, but for my life coaching was also about like eight C's and I'm forgetting all of them, but there are a lot of great C's out there. <laughs> but it's so so good. I love how you're working with people. And so if there's anything else that you feel like was unsaid that you'd like to make sure to bring forward about this stage of life, I'd love you to talk about it and then tell people how they can reach you. But like just if from for your best friend that was you know really getting messed up with this stage of life or was really um on the path had taken some of the first steps but 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 like really shaking things up like are there any things that you help people like really shake things up in order to go somewhere bold yeah i think the vitality comes from being bold I mean, I can think of so many examples. I'll, you mentioned best friends, so I'll share an example there. My my very best friend from college uh, had come to me. She made the she she made the choice. She'd had a beautiful career back in the day. Chose to be a stay at home mom, and then when her kids went off to college, chose to do something interesting, and it was starting to fall apart. And she came to me. She's like, I I. I want that new thing. Like I want it, but I remember her feeling very scared. She's like, my resume is kind of strange. I have all these years off. And I said, and it was sort of this advice of like, you know, you want to be doing something interesting, like apply for everything, get in front of as many people as you can talk to every friend that you know, who has a connection, like just put it out there. She has an incredible personality. Her resume may not equal, like it might be confusing, but if somebody needs her, they're going to get it. And it was kind of like, just put it out there, put it out there, put it out there. Like you just don't know. So that was one example, but I just had a gorgeous example with a client, a male client, who leaving a career of 30 years and just 
want something new. He doesn't want to sabotage himself and not leverage the skills he has in the past. But it was funny. He was telling me, he's like, I kind of have a dream of leading cheese journeys in in Europe. He's like, I'm a wine and cheese guy. He's like, that's not going to pay the bills. And right now I need to pay the bills. And it was this beautiful thing of like, okay, let's figure out how to do 80% of the thing that pays the bills that leverages what you did. So we were brainstorming about that. But I was like, what if you were to figure out how to do some cool cheese journey thing in Europe? And maybe you need to go work at a cheese shop on the weekends to learn what you need and then begin to connect with every friend that you know who has some kind of connection to Europe and high-end travel programs in some way. And his face lit up. He was so excited. And it wasn't as if that's all, but just having that, that thread of that thing that was exciting to him made his life feel so much richer. And how we got to that was I, I really said to him, I remember so vividly, he came to the call And he had that energy of what should I do? I'm like, okay, can we put that aside for a moment? Can we talk about like what feels juicy and what is exciting? And just getting to hear some of that. And we can't always all do the all juicy and exciting, but can you get some of it? Can you move towards it? And what does that look like to craft a life that gives you that combination? And it's like, we can make it happen. It's so beautiful because your face lights up, lights up because you love what you're doing. And, and and when you, and you elevate someone else's mojo, even for a moment, because they're, you've brought in all these pharmaceutical chem, their chemicals are just like ignited with their joy of possibility. Yeah. Lose that joy of possibility is when our dreams die. I mean, we actually, Amir and I just did an episode last week on dreams. Um, and I do feel like small and big dreams, like how we all interpret them and, and and there's no right or wrong. It's just how do we move new energy into our lives? And so you're giving people through this avenue of choice. And I really love and value and appreciate how you've expressed it so much. I, I want you to tell people how to reach you and then a little, about a little maybe a little bit about the book, if you'd like the full yeah, the book of choice. Yeah. Um, you know, I may I made the choice beginning of this year that I was just going to become more active on social media and play. And do it like I only did it if it felt fun. So to reach me or the most, the place I'm most active and the place I'm having the most fun is on Instagram. So you can find me at Kim D. Young on Instagram. And I love, is it D-E-Y-O-U-N-G? And actually the easiest thing is if you go to my site, kimdyoung.com, I have links to everything from there. Um but Instagram is probably the place to learn the most about my work and and just interesting conversations around choice. My book, The Book of Choice, I published it very recently. It was a 10-year journey um, to create it. And it feels very interesting to be on the other side of it. But The Book of Choice is really a wake-up call for everybody to become more thoughtful about the choices they make. That is really it. And yes, in it, I teach a beautiful process called choice mapping. I have had the luxury of interviewing, you know, more than 100 people about their choices. So those stories are woven into the book. And I hope that the book of choice is a resource for everybody, whether it be people our age or our kids, that when they are making a choice and they want to look back at a choice they did make or look forward to a choice they are making, that the book of choice will become the resource that they go to to give them guidance and grounding so that they can be thoughtful and intentional. 
So wonderful. I really think you've wrapped that up in such a beautiful package for us. So, you know, I'd love to hang out with you another few minutes, but thank (laughs) you for this wonderful time together and be well. I think when a lot of people reach this stage of life and they haven't had the chance to really evaluate what they want to do and their kids are gone or their kids are about to leave, what are they saying yes to is a big part of what Kim is trying to help us see here, have have us find the courage and the curiosity around our choices. Choices are a series of decisions, aren't they, Tessa? Yeah, it's it's and it's small steps as she talks about. So it's not always making a major choice. If you're not good at at, at knowing what you like for yourself, then you need to date yourself first. Or if you're not good <laughs> at knowing what you like to do, you need to try many things. And 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 we've been listening to another podcast recently about this idea that the, and the and the phases of retirement. And when we're an open nester, we're not always retiring, but we are looking at our life for trying new things isn't that a major of trial and error yeah the the, the trial and error stage that we get to and that is really the choices i mean what get to stick what does uh what what am i doing that i really like that i like to continue and do again tomorrow and the day after or once a week or twice a week or whatever that is these are the choices and kim is also talking about having the foundations the foundation do you think that uh, when she talks about foundation, she means the confidence and the self-esteem? I do. I think that people have to have done their work, and that's why she discusses therapy or mindfulness embodiment. So we come from a grounded place, and and if 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 we're not knowing ourselves for our own instinct, and no one's taught us that, as she, as she discussed, that we can help our kids learn to do. But if no one's taught us that, we have learning to do on our own. Hopefully, you get to that stage of the open nesting. With some choices, many get to the open stage, to the open nesting stage without having to have any uh, choices. And with more intention, because if we're choosing not to choose to actually think about what we're going to do when our kids leave, then we're making a choice not to choose. So here is about looking at that whole point and realizing the first question was, why does the choice matter? What is I, what do I want for the rest of my life? What am I creating here? What is it, what is it all about for my next third of my life here that I'm going to choose to make meaningful to me? Some parents are afraid of that boomerang effect. They just don't want the kids to come home. They're happy that they have left. And now once they're gone, they want to have some choices. They want to make some decision. That's called the boomerang effect. Don't come back. We're happy that to support you. We're happy to communicate with you. Don't be a stranger, but don't come back to the house. So the house and the nest is not really open back for you. Just go have a life, so, so, so to speak. That's what we've discussed a lot that our choice about having an open house and an open nest is that people will come in and feel comfortable here. And yet they'll know the boundaries because we've developed enough of a relationship to say what we need and what they need. And that's the work. That's the work. So I don't, when we're very uh, black and white about it, I think that that doesn't serve anyone so well, actually. It is interesting to discover and research exactly how our choices are really becoming our decisions. But anyway, if you're listening to this podcast and you want some more, go visit our website, theopennesters.com, the double N in the middle, S at the end, theopennesters.com, and subscribe on your favorite 
podcast platform. And find us on social media, please, with The Open Nesters on Facebook and Instagram. And also thank you for sharing because that's what's made us grow. And we really value your listenership and your and just your feedback. So if there are people that you'd like to have on the show, someone who is choosing to live a vital, wonderful life in Act 3, send us an email, tessa at theopennesters.com or get on social media and DM me on Instagram. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we'll see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio Engineering by Lucid Sound. Web Design and Blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.